Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of 100 Yards of Football Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to be your host and producer this afternoon, Logan Landers, and joining me, as always, to talk about a very just wild, tumultuous 48 hours in the coaching realm of the college football as well as national football ranks. First and foremost, as always, Mr. F- Mr. Football, Vincent Turner. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? Hey, how you doing, Logan Pig? Suey, baby. Go Cowboys. <laughs> oh, I know you got a very fun weekend lined up with, with your boys uh, going out there and have a good matchup. And, of course, our very special guest, NFL draft expert, firstroundmock.com. And guy who's always bringing the heat each and every single week and also has a very solid relationship with the man on the screen here. Mr. Belichick uh, was working under him for a time back in the 90s. Mr. Daniel Kelly, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, Logan. Thank you. How are you? I am doing great, sir. And DK, we'll kick it to you first and foremost. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, you have a you had a relationship with Bill Belichick back when he was with the Jets back in the late 90s. So go ahead and just give your thoughts on, on what all's happened uh, in these last 48 hours, of course. Uh, we you know earlier this morning with the Patriots and Bill Belichick announcing they are going to be parting ways after 24 amazing seasons out there in New England, and also Nick Saban, who is deciding to uh, hang up his clipboard at the age of 72 after a tremendous run uh, in college football, being there since 1990, and just making Alabama the dynasty we know of it as today. Give your thoughts on both these tremendous coaches on the screen here, DK. Yeah, absolutely. I'm honored, uh, Logan and Mr. Turner, to to talk about these these two individuals. Um, you know, really, it's 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 a it's a end of an era. It's it's a passing of a torch. Uh, the, these two gentlemen on our screen right here, uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, are, are icons, uh, legends, and I'm honored to have a chance to talk with them. And it's a little bit different than a lot of shows. Uh, you know, a lot of the information is, you know, I write down script, you know, you know, kind of memorize stuff. Obviously, going through game film, stats, all this kind of thing. But this one's from the heart. Uh, when you talk, when you look at these two, these two gentlemen here, uh, you know, it, it's it's just amazing what they've been able to accomplish. And I won't go into all that because it's well documented. Uh, but, you know, with, especially with Bill Belichick, um, you know, I, I can share a couple personal stories, um, you know, with, with him, uh, you know, back with my, my days with the Jets uh, when I was there from 1998 to 2002. And so picture this 24 year old me walking into an interview, uh, you know, I was working at Bank American Mortgage at the time as a loan officer uh, at one year high school football, uh, played left bench, was so bad at it. I uh, was only kidding. In my letter in my uh, high school football team not to earn a letter because uh, I didn't have enough playing time. So here's me walking into the Jets building with, you know, suit and tie and my 350 page uh, self-published NFL draft guide in 1998 that I used in my resume to get my interview with the Jets. And I interviewed with everybody who was everybody on the staff. And then came the final part of the interview where they had me evaluate Rick Lyle. It was a defensive end on the Jets at the time. And, you know, I, I you know, Scott Pioli, who ended up being my boss, Bill Par- Parcells, son-in-law, said, you know, print off three copies, you know, bring in my office. And, and I'm like, three copies, one for me, one for Scott, who's the third person? <laughs> well, all of a sudden, uh, he, you know, Scott Pioli picks up the phone in his office, you know, kind of like the you know office and draft day with the big, you know, overlooking the, uh, the practice field and the fluorescent yellow goalposts and everything. And uh, all of a sudden he says, okay, he's in here. Will you please join us? And, uh, you know, in walks the room, Bill Belichick, 
um, and has a seat right next to me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, I, of course, I knew, uh, knew of Coach Belichick from his days with the New York Giants growing up as a Washington Redskins fans, uh, you know, back when he was the defensive coordinator of the Giants with all those famous defenses he built with Bill Parcells, the umbrella zone, et cetera. And here I am sitting next to him uh, at, in an office. And, uh, you know, he turns to me and says, uh, you know, you know, hand, you know, Scott hands one of my reports to him, one for himself and one for me. It was like times to, stood still uh, for a few minutes there. Um, and, you know, Bill Belichick's reading my, my words about Rick Lyle and he, he takes off his readers and he looks at me and says, so, so tell me about your tape collection, Dan. Um, you know, because I, I wrote this 350 page book and all these prospects. And I talked about having all these VHS tapes. I'm dating myself, but you know, this big collection of tapes that I had and all the games I watched and, and, and he kind of explained graciously. He said, well, here's what we asked Rick, you know, Rick Lyle to do in our, our system. And, you know, we play a three, four, 34 defense. He's a guy that holds the point well at the point of attack. Uh, so allowing other linebackers and so forth to scrape it and make plays. And, um, and he kind of, you know, looks at Scott and, and looks at me and then, you know, looks back at Scott and he looks at me and he says, um, he turns to me and just locks eyes with me and says, so tell me, Dan, what would an opportunity mean to you in the National Football League? And he just hard stared me and I just looked in his eyes. I didn't blink. I said, it would mean everything to me, Coach Belichick. I will do whatever it takes to succeed. And we just stared at each other for about 30 seconds without blinking. And he said, okay, well, thank you for coming out to New York. And the guy was ready to take me to the airport at the door. And I was like, okay, so that's it. <laughs> I was like, you know, no, no, no job, you know, offer, you know, and like a couple of weeks later it happened. And I got hired to work in the pro scouting department, the New York jets. Um, Bill Belichick was a tremendously nice man to me. We all know him as a coach. We've seen him on the, on the, the sidelines for years, the cutoff sweatshirts, the hoodie, the, uh, the aura, the, the, the whole presentation, the press conferences, we've seen it all, but he was a tremendously, you know, people always ask me, what was Bill Belichick like working with him? A tremendously nice man. For example, when I first got out to New York uh, as a young man uh, looking to rent a, a place on Long Island, New York, uh, he gave me his, uh, his family minivan to drive around uh, and look for a place to live. Uh, it was just always, you know, hi, hi, Dan, hi, coach, you know, type of relationship. Obviously, I wasn't on the inner center, you know, circle with the New York Jets. Uh, that was reserved, uh, roundtable reserved for the, for the, for the uh, you know, Hall of Fame minds that, that I worked with. Uh, but but he was always very kind, very nice to me, very gracious. Uh, and and uh, one, one day, I'll never forget, uh, he invited me into his office. Uh, he was going to go into a meeting. He said, uh, can you work on this cut-up and make this cut-up tape? of this player. And uh, so there I was uh, sitting in Bill Belichick's, uh, his desk, his chair, and, uh, you know, making this, this highlight tape, uh, player profile tape, rather, uh, so like they like to call it the Jets because it was good plays and bad plays, not just highlights. And, uh, you know, for Coach Belichick and Scott Pioli and Bill Parcells, I was making this tape for so they could review it in a meeting. And uh, as I'm sitting there making this tape at Belichick's desk, uh, sitting in his office, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, uh, Joe Namath walks by the uh, doorway in the uh, hallway. And, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was just mind blowing being around him. Um, and then my, my, um, uh, 
my my Forrest Gump moment, uh, if you will, with with Bill Belichick was uh, I walked right past him in the hallway before he resigned and went to New England. Uh, he said, "Hi, hi, Dan." I said, "Hi, Coach." And he walked into that that um, infamous um, you know press conference and and said he was leaving the Jets and going to the New England Patriots, which is why we're looking at the screen and why this is such a, a ceremonious um, event uh, with him no longer coaching the New England Patriots um, and what a tremendous dynasty. You know, I guess if I could say something uh, and summarize you know what what's most impressive about me to me about bill belichick with the new england patriots is that i remember back as a young man even younger back in 1989 when i went i stood outside the nfl owners meetings in minneapolis and uh, back when paul tagliabue was a commissioner in the nfl and i remember him issuing a statement tagliabue saying that you know we're expanding the nfl from 28 to you know 30 teams or whatnot at the time and uh, you know the, the idea is to kind of saturate the uh, talent pool and there's gonna be no more dynasties i remember him frankly saying that no more dynasties in the national football league what once was your third string quarterbacks now could be another team starter and what was impressive to me is we all remember the dynasty years of you know the, the uh, you know pittsburgh steelers back in the 1970s the uh, you know the san francisco 49ers back in the 80s etc and, and what was impressive most to me about what bill Belichick did in new england something i learned greatly from because my NFL scouting mentor, Lionel Vitell, actually was Belichick's most trusted uh, personnel scout uh, for the first two Super Bowls in New England. And I was on the phone for four, five, six hours a day with Lionel. And, uh, you know, he would talk to me all through those Super Bowl runs. And we would talk six, seven, 10, 15 times a week. And he would tell me what was going on there. And, uh, you know, now, of course, confidential things, but just in general. And the things he would tell me would just, was just was, was impressive because Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli did what Paul Tagliabue said was not possible, which was build a dynasty. Uh, not only a dynasty, but the greatest dynasty we've ever seen in the National Football League history. And he did it by by you know, you know, kind of you know, finding his guys. I remember Lionel telling me at one point, um, you know, with, with the Patriots, you know, a lot of teams in the NFL have two, three, four hundred, four, five hundred names on the board on draft day. Uh, that first draft, uh, when Belichick was in New England, I was told that uh, he only had about a hundred players on the board. That didn't mean the other three, four hundred guys couldn't play in the National Football League. It just meant they weren't Patriot guys. They weren't going to play in New England. Uh, the second year, you know, after the first Super Bowl and whatnot, uh, went down to like 65 players. The third year after the next Super Bowl, he had like 34 guys on his whole draft board. Uh, that didn't mean the rest couldn't play in the NFL again, but they weren't going to play for Bill because Bill was able to identify critical factors of scouting, critical traits that these guys, uh, that he had was desirable. He's, he hired scouts, basically, that had these traits, sent them across the country. They, they brought back the guys, you know, that, that fit that fit that mold. And that's why we always saw New England winning, no matter who was there, no matter who the you know coaching staff was, and the players were interchangeable, et cetera, et cetera, because he was able to keep filling the same roles with similar personality guys that had the traits that he desired. That, to me, is what I really learned from and what I will take into a general manager's position myself hopefully one day is knowing and understanding characteristics and personalities and how, how it all works together as far as building the chemistry of a football team but it was a super super impressive how he did that and uh, everything he accomplished there I wish him the very best I think we are going to see more of Bill Belichick uh, based on what I've been reading and hearing so far today from sources around the NFL uh, he's only like 15 games away from the record I think he wants that I think there's you know strong rumors that he may go to the Atlanta Falcons, they want him there. Who knows? Maybe he goes out to the Chargers. Maybe you know, who knows where he ends up. Uh, maybe he takes a year off. Who knows? Um, and then, as far as Nick Saban's concerned, quickly, hey, you know, the best ever in my mind. 
uh, in, in college football history. Uh, he's, he's a guy that, you know, from an NFL scouting standpoint, uh, you know, I got the screen in front of me here. I don't have any guys feeding me information like the big timers do at different networks. So I have to look up my own information, but 123 draft picks during the Nick Saban era. That's incredible. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, to me, it's like when I think of Alabama, I think of Bear Bryant. Uh, this is a guy that I, now I think of Nick Saban. Uh, you know, a guy who won as many national titles, I believe, as, as Bear Bryant, you know, Paul Bear Bryant did. Um, you know, he didn't coach quite as long as Bear Bryant did, 17 seasons versus 25. But, hey, I tell you what, uh, you know, and, of course, Saban, um, you know, both these gentlemen are screen uh, are from my tree that I, you know, because they call it a coaching tree or whatnot. That's that's my tree because, of course, Saban was with Bill Belichick with the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, you know, I have nothing but respect for Nick Saban. Never met him, never talked to him personally, but have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And I tell you what, the uh, landscape of the NFL and college football is going to be a lot different uh, with these two guys, uh, you know, one moving on and one playing musical chairs. Yes, sir. Well said, Mr. Kelly. Mr. Football, give your thoughts on these two legendary head coaches. Well, like I said, you look at these two coaches and basically what they've done Nick Saban on the cottage level, Bill Belichick on the NFL level is probably not going to have no two individuals that's had much success as they've had. Uh, I'm going to start with Coach Belichick. There's no question about it. When you look at the NFL history of this game, when I was growing up, a lot of people saying Vince Lombardi was the best coach in this game. Then a lot of people were saying Tom Landry. Then a lot of people were saying Bill Walsh. A lot of people even throw Joe Gibbs in there, a.k.a. the Washington Redskins. But what Belichick has done, definitely, I'm not going to see it in my lifetime again, to win six Super Bowls and do it in a system that with his own players, as Mr. Daniel Kelly just mentioned. But what I'm going to remember about Coach Belichick is that when he was with the New York Giants, and he don't really get a lot of credit, but he coached the greatest defensive player that played in this game, Lawrence Taylor. A lot of people don't really mention that. They talk about Parcells. But he was the guy who was behind that defense. And then nobody talk about Mr. Belichick and his defensive performance against the Buffalo Bills in that Super Bowl in Tampa when New York controlled Jim Kelly and the fun gun, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, a team that was scoring a lot of points. But then Mr. Belichick not really being successful as his first stop with the Cleveland Browns, but able to come back to New England and made one of the most gutsy, really, we call being a man decision. Going with a young man out of the University of Michigan, who's a six-round pick. He saw something that I didn't see and started him at quarterback when he had a first-rounder who had got injured in Drew Bledsoe. But he stayed with Tom Brady. He saw something in him. And then think about that first Super Bowl win when Mr. Belichick, put the ball in that young man's hands. I'm watching the game. They're playing the Rams. They get the ball, I can't remember, on their 20-yard line. I hear John Madden say, well, they're going to wait to overtime. But he let that young man, Tom Brady, take that team down the field, and the rest is history. And he built something that's never going to be seen again in, in professional football. Not a Nick Saban. Mr. Logan Landers, a.k.a. Babyface, can understand this because we both Southern guys, and we know how serious the SEC is down here. I remember when Nick Saban got the job. Remember, Alabama had offered the job to Rich Rodriguez, and he turned it down. 
and Nick Saban was coaching the Dolphins. And he decided to come to Alabama at the time. Alabama, with all the great history of Bell Bryant, of Wallace Wade, all the great players back in the day, Johnny, Johnny Mac Brown, Bart Starr, uh, Pat Tramble, Leroy Jordan, Joe Namath. Nick Saban came from Miami and took that job. And you look what he's done. The first year, I believe Alabama went 500. But the next year, he brought in a recruiting class with Julio Jones and Mark Ingram II, and the rest is history. And I tell you, I never thought a college coach could win six national championships in 17 years at that school. Based on the fact, when you look at all the great college coaches that's coached this game and had highly success, John McKay at the University of Southern California, Woody Hayes at Ohio State, Brett Bryan at Alabama, Bob Devaney in Nebraska. See, that was some heavy hitters. Bob Wilkerson at the University of Oklahoma in the 50s and then followed by Barry Switzer. For him to do that at Alabama and at a school and in a state, that's all they live for is football. And they're crazy, crazy at a high level. I've been listening to all the talk shows out of Alabama, especially Tuscaloosa. And like when he announced he was retiring yesterday, you had grown men crying. He's the greatest ever done. And what I remember about Nick Saban, remember he started Toledo as a head coach, wasn't successful. Then he went to the Big Ten and took a Michigan State team and turned that program around. And I remember that great Nebraska team of 95, Nick Saban was the head coach of Michigan State. National television, college football Saturday, second weekend, I think. And the Nebraska team beat Michigan State on Michigan State home field 50 to 10. And everybody's saying, who is Nick Saban? But he turned the Michigan State program around. Then he took the job at LSU. Won a national championship with some great players, Michael Clayton, Marcus Spears, the late Marquise Hill, formerly of the New England Patriots, Corey Webster, the New York Giants. And I wanted him to stay at LSU, but I guess he got that itch to go back to the league. He realized that Miami, he wasn't ready for pro ball. Then he comes back to Alabama. And do you can you imagine the pressure he had from the boosters there? See, the state of Alabama is nothing but football. I'm sorry. Nothing but football in the state of Alabama. They set the tone for the SEC. That's how it is. And for him to have that type of success, and I think that you brought up a good point, DK said 100, what'd you say, 144, 123 players drafted? Yeah, 123, I think, yeah. 44 of them have been NFL first-round picks. That's very impressive. And let me tell you something. He's done it in a conference that's been the best conference in football over this past 10 years. So I know Michigan, y'all won the championship this year. But, hey, look what the SEC has done with probably the greatest coach ever in college football, and Nick Saban. And it's really, I always say God is in the plan. Think about these two gentlemen when in Cleveland. Bill Belichick was the head coach. Nick Saban was the head Defensive coordinator that fired Coach Belichick and his whole staff. Now look what happened. You saw two young men that came through adversity. They bounced back. 
And they say, hey, we're not going to let this life defeat us. We're going to be college and professional coaches at a high level. And both of them got 12 championships. Mr. Belichick, six Super Bowl rings. I never thought I'd see a coach or organization ever win six championships. And Nick Saban, six national championships in 17 years. But you know what? I'm more impressed what he did this year. Not with a really talented team, but how that team bounced back and went undefeated in the SEC. With a quarterback and Jalen Marrow, who did the, had benched the first of the year, and then Coach State, Saban stepped in and said, "Now nah, we're gonna roll with this young man," and it got to the Rose Bowl, nine and zero in the SEC. You're looking at two gentlemen who have done it at a high level. We probably never gonna see this again in my lifetime. Off to you, Mr. Logan Landers. Mr. Terry, thank you very much for that. And you guys have brought up some tremendous points. Um, in both levels of coaching for these two gentlemen you see on the screen here, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I mean, simply put, they built dynasties. Um, when you look at Belichick, starting with him, I mean, what he was able to do with Tom Brady and crew for all those years and just reigning supreme over the NFL seemingly every other year for quite some time, uh, you just knew that every season – that if the Patriots weren't going to win the Super Bowl, they were going to be close to it. I mean, I mean, you guys mentioned they were almost the only other team beside that famed 72 Dolphins team to win, to win outright, go undefeated, win a Super Bowl just one game short. But the guys that Belichick was able to utilize, and I mean, it was a revolving door. You had obviously your mainstays, but it seemed like whoever came over, whether it was drafting, or free agency trades, it seemed like it was a piece of a puzzle that always seemed to fit during that immaculate run that New England had. How Tom Brady was an orchestrator right there at the quarterback position for all those years, and all those guys around him on offense and defense putting in work each and every single day to give them all those championships you guys have mentioned. And just a tremendous run for him, 24 seasons at one place in New England, let alone his other coaching experience y'all have mentioned, is immaculate enough, and we're still not sure if he's done yet. He might still be going somewhere else. As for Nick Saban, I don't know what more else I can say, guys. Uh, he took a team in Alabama who was, you know, they they when you think Alabama, you think they are the top of the college football world. They're always going to be a great team. But when Saban took them over in the mid-2000s, they were a little down for their worst there. They weren't looking so hot. And as you mentioned, that first year didn't have his guys. That wasn't that Nick Saban team. But after that, I mean, it was just onward and upward. A mm -hmm. national championship mm -hmm. after national championship, winning season after winning season. And I mean, he's top 15 all time in terms of wins in college football. With all the time he's had, you know, Alabama, his time at LSU as well, Michigan State. I mean, he's had a tremendous career, and we all had the feeling that, you know, he, he is 72. He's been coaching for quite some time, and you knew it had to happen one day, but it was just a, a major surprise to me when it came across the screen uh, the other day that Nick Saban was indeed retiring. And just earlier this morning when I was at work and I saw the headline pop up saying that Bill Belichick and the Patriots were moving on, uh, I mean, ju just – an insane last 48 hours in terms of the coaching world, especially with these two individuals here. 
And you guys have all said it. I might as well say it myself. I don't think we're ever going to see two dynasties like we've seen pretty much running concurrently also with Alabama and college football and the New England Patriots in the NFL. As, uh, as much as those Patriots, they hurt us in Atlanta uh, all those years ago, uh, Mr. Turner, uh, you can't sit back but you know respect what they've done in the NFL and in college and admire them for their work. Even though they hurt our teams pretty bad, uh, you just got to sit back and smile and just say thank you, and it was a pleasure to watch each of them on the sidelines for many, many years. Well, guys, it was an absolute pleasure just talking shop about these two great coaches, Mr. Football Vince Turner is always a pleasure to talk with you. And our special guest, Daniel Kelly. Always a fun time, my friend. I've been your host and producer, Logan Landers. Guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoons, and we'll talk to you all again on another live episode. We'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.